starting a brand new series uh, called Heart and Soul. Heart and Soul, and uh, this is a new series for this uh, month we're going to be going through and covering a few different topics, but uh, I just believe that God, uh, you know, if, if you study the Bible, if you read the Bible, there's something that you see as a recurring theme throughout the Bible, and it's the issue of the heart. The heart is, the Bible actually says in Proverbs chapter 4, it says, keep or guard the heart above everything else. Uh, you know, we, 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 you know, secure our homes, we secure our valuables, we, we protect our families, we do a lot of things, but often we're not as diligent in guarding and protecting our heart. And the Bible actually says, out of your heart flow all the issues of life. It's what directs your life. It's what, uh, it's what impacts your life the most. Uh, often we think other people, other situations are the reason why things are the way they are in our life. And it's true that life happens. We live in a broken, fallen world because of sin. But it's at the heart, a heart issue. It's at the core, a heart issue for all of us. And so God starts in us working in our hearts. The message title today, if, you, if you're taking notes, is It's in the Dirt. It's in the dirt. We're in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And Jesus told several parables. Parables were stories uh, to illustrate truth. They were to uh, reveal truth in a way that Jesus would take things that were complex and make them simple, but also uh, to oftentimes he would uh, conceal certain really deep truths in a way that seemed very simple, but but it was to be unpacked in relationship. And so the disciples, uh, Jesus told them this parable, and then they would come to him afterward and ask him, what does all that mean? And and in relationship, in close relationship and fellowship, Jesus would begin to explain and unpack and reveal what those things meant. So Mark chapter 4, verse 2, it says, he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower, a planter went out to sow to sow seed. And it happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth uh, or, or dirt, but immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up, choked it, and yielded no crop. But the other seed, the fourth condition or the fourth place that the seed uh, fell uh, was on good ground and it yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30 some 60 and some a hundred then the disciples come to Jesus they ask him what does all this mean and here's his explanation the sower is sowing the word the word of God Uh, Can I just remind you, it's God's word that transforms. It's God's word that builds a foundation that's unshakable. Our feelings are not a good foundation. You know, because how many know your feelings can be flaky? Like, you, you can feel it when you're in here, but then the moment you hit the parking lot... Nobody else? Okay. That's, and, and there's moments where we build our lives on a lot of things, but the only thing that's, that's going to last, you know, there's actually two things that last forever. The Bible tells us what they are. The first is people. We live forever with God or without God. But the other thing that lasts forever, Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So the sower is sowing the only thing besides people that lasts forever, and it's the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear Satan comes, the enemy comes, the adversary, the accuser comes immediately and takes away what was sown in their hearts. Likewise, uh, the others are uh, sown on stony ground, who when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. 
After we're in tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are those uh, who are sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. Watch what happens. The cares, these are things that divide the mind, distract the mind, create pressure in life. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Listen, money is a great tool, but a terrible master. And here's what he says, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So the word is the common denominator in all of these. Same word, same seed planted, same, same sower, a good God is sowing the seed, and yet there's four different responses. The fourth one is what we want to have, and these are the ones who are sown on good ground, those who hear, accept, and bear fruit, some 30, 60, 100-fold. In other words, what God wants to do, his desire is that what he plants in our life grows and multiplies, and, uh, and, and so I've, I've got a few points today from this. The first one, using this picture of ground and, and seed that's planted is our hearts are like soil. Our hearts are like ground. In fact, it's more than our individual lives. There's something about a group of people that there's a, there's a, a, the word we use now is a culture. There's values, there's beliefs, there's certain things that grow. You can walk into one environment and sometimes it's healthy, life-giving, and sometimes it's very toxic and unhealthy. Sometimes you can step into a, a family environment or a work environment, even a church, and you can step in and there's something in the ground. There's something in the way people treat each other, the way people talk, the way they respond, the way they communicate, the way they love people or don't, the way they build up or tear down. There's something in the ground. There's something in the culture of that. And that's why as, as a church and as individuals, we want to have, have something good, healthy, and ultimately the kingdom, the things of God grow in our life. And if we plant the word, if we receive the word into the condition of a heart that's been transformed by Jesus, the result can be multiplication, that God can multiply the good things that he places in you and he can do it through you. So what's growing in your heart? What's growing in your heart? In Genesis, there's this interesting story right from the beginning, right after the fall of man and Adam and Eve fell, Cain and Abel, you know, it doesn't take long for families to get messed up. So, so if you want to feel good about your own family around Thanksgiving, read the book of Genesis. I'm just telling you, uh, it'll encourage you, hopefully. Uh, but but it's but you see this Cain and Abel are are are, are together, and they they've they've each brought something to God. They've each brought Cain is is a tiller of the ground. He produces and raises crops, and he gathers the fruit of of his effort and his labor. And 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 Abel is the one who raises animals and brings brings an offering of those. And so so each of them brings something to God. But it says that. Cain's Abel was not accepted, and Abel, or Cain's offering to God was not accepted, and Abel's was. And Cain becomes uh, his, downcast, he says. It, it says in the Bible, he, he becomes uh, discouraged, and, and he even becomes angry and jealous and angry at his own brother. And you know the story, he ends up killing his brother. But, when, but before that happens, God comes to, comes to Cain and he, he begins to deal with the heart issue that's under the surface. No matter how Cain looked on the outside, even though he was downcast, there was something on the inside that was growing that was actually going to lead to the murder of his brother. See, many people think that, that the, the fruit of what's in our heart is the, is, the, is the start of the problem. But oftentimes, you know, nobody gets up and says, I'm going to destroy my family today. 
I'm going to, I'm going to compromise my character today. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let fear win. No, no, nobody ever lets, it's oftentimes the result of allowing the wrong thing to grow in our heart. What's growing in your heart? God comes to Cain and he says, you know, if you do, why are you upset at your brother? If you do well, if you do what I've called you to do, uh, then, then, then your offering's accepted too. See, I, I believe the difference was Abel brought to God what God wanted. Cain brought to God what Cain wanted. That's a whole other discussion. But, but, but Cain, in that moment, God actually then says, but sin lies at the door, and you should rule over it. In other words, God was warning Cain, there's something in your heart that's growing. It's knocking at the door, and it's going to produce something destructive. And, and you shouldn't let it rule you. You should rule it. But we know the end result is he kills his brother, and God comes to Cain. And here's what God says. Where's your brother? And God doesn't say that because he doesn't know where Abel is, by the way. But he actually says to Cain, and Cain says, how do I know? Am I, am I my brother's keeper? And then here's what God says. His blood from the ground speaks. What's in the ground speaks. No matter how much we try to project outwardly to the world, everything's okay, we're doing great, what's in the ground will speak. What's in the ground of our family will speak. What's in the ground of our, of our churches will speak to the world. What's in the ground will communicate. It will speak. What we allow to grow in our lives, good or bad, will speak for itself. I believe we should allow the kingdom, the things of the kingdom to grow. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not in eating or drinking, but it is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I don't know anybody that wouldn't at least want peace and joy. Are you with me? And so righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit are available for every single believer in Jesus. The issue is a heart issue. Because at the heart of every single person who's ever lived, we need God to transform us from the inside out. Religion is giving outward external rules, saying conform, change this behavior, change that. But it's kind of like uh, trying to put, uh, if I could use this picture, uh, it, it's, it's like uh, at, at a mortuary, they, they prepare the body for the funeral. And then oftentimes, if they're having a viewing, they'll, they'll put makeup on the body. And, and that's what religion does, puts makeup up on something dead but Jesus comes and he doesn't make dead men better or bad men better he makes dead men live he brings us from death to life and he does it from the inside out he transforms us he gives us a new heart and we know that that's the core of the gospel that God loved us so much that he came and he rescued us and he gave us a new heart and he changed us he rescued us from hell he rescued us from sin and he put a new heart within us and that's good news but church even as a believer in Jesus you can still grow the wrong thing in your heart How many of you all of your words were great after you got saved Oh nobody's raising their hand How many of you all of your attitudes were always right after you came to Jesus one person in the back. Okay, somebody's lying. Okay. There's, there's something about what you cultivate and allow to grow in the ground of your heart and life. And so we need God to cultivate. We need to grow the right thing and remove the wrong thing. I, I, I spent some time where my wife and I met was in Arizona. And, uh, I, I found out in Arizona, we bought our first house together when we got married. And uh, we had our, our, our house in Arizona. We had a grass yard in the backyard, which did not last. And the reason is because things don't grow easily in a hot, dry desert 
environment, unless it's a cactus. And so it was really hard to keep the grass alive. And it was even harder to keep that we had two trees in our backyard and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I, I, you know, I read in the Bible about pruning the, tr- the vine. And so I thought I'm going to prune this fruit tree. And then I ended up killing the fruit tree. <laughs> I'll stick to preaching. Um, and, and so, so <laughs> by, by the end of a couple of years, our, our, our backyard, everything that was good didn't survive. But I never had a problem having weeds grow in my backyard. Never had to water them. Never had to, you know, put, put miracle grow. In fact, I remember one time, I've shared this before, I, I opened up this, we had this side of our house that we like, it was real small between the, because we had walls around all of our houses, and, and between the wall and, uh, and the block wall and the house grew this one weed that I hadn't seen. I opened up this one window we would usually keep closed because the light would come in and, you know, couldn't see the TV. So I opened up the blinds and I saw I, I had allowed a weed to grow that was something about this tall. And it was now like, you couldn't just pull that out. You had to cut it with a machete. There's some things in our life that we, we don't have to try to cultivate. It will grow. And, and whatever you don't deal with when it's small and neglect or ignore, it will grow. And oftentimes we think, well, I can manage that now. Yeah, but stuff you're managing now will grow to the place where you can't manage it anymore. And so we've got to deal with things when they're small, when they're easy to uproot, but no matter what, we can, we can deal with it. So number two, point number two is nothing bad is removed from our life, from our heart by accident. Nothing, nothing. I, I, do you have that picture? Don't put it up yet, but get that ready if you can. Um, so, so the other day, um, I was making lunch and I, I get... My wife bought these awesome rolls, and I, I set these rolls on the table, and I'm preparing, to, I'm preparing to make a couple sandwiches, and then I hear a knock at the door, and it was one of my, my daughter's friends in our neighborhood, and they're at the door, and I go answer the door, and then I come back, and all of a sudden, I realize I've got where I, I put a paper, uh, paper towel down, put the rolls on top of the paper towel, and hadn't even had a chance to put the mayo on and the, the meat and the cheese. I hadn't done anything. Just two rolls sitting there, and I come back, and my rolls are gone. I'm like, I was only gone for a second. Where did these go? And then I saw this. Can you put that picture up? Then, then I saw this. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and I realized what happened. I had a perfectly clean paper towel. It was actually pretty impressive. He got that, that clear uh, without a crumb left on it. And yet uh, he managed to do that. Here's, here's what Jesus said in Mark, uh, Matthew 13. Another parable he gave, he said, another parable he put forth to them, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, an enemy came, and he sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came, and they said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And watch the the, the landowner's response. He says, an enemy has done this. We look at our life and say, what happened? I thought this started good. God, I thought everything you do in my life is good. God is good, and what he plants in my life is good. Can I help you? There's a real simple theology. Good God, bad devil. We mix those up sometimes in church. You know, we, we, we get, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of, you know, uh, PhDs in theology to mess that one up. Right. <laughs> 
But, but here's what we see. He says, an enemy's done this. That means that some things in my life are not from God. And that means not everything in my life is of equal weight and equal value and equal fruitfulness. See, the difference between the wheat and the tare, and of course in this parable he's talking about people, but, but, but here's what I want you to see. In our lives there's some things that the enemy sows and plants. Some, not every thought that pops into your head is of equal value. Not, not every feeling is of equal value. <laughs> and, and so we've got to recognize what's true. Because not everything is equally true. I know in our culture we say that some things are, you know, well, my truth is, is, is different than your truth. and Well, there's just some things that are just true no matter what I feel about it. And, and that's what we've got to recognize is some things in my life, an enemy has sown that. And he says, an enemy has done this. What happened? We've got to recognize what the cause was. And so when, when he says that, the difference between a tear and the wheat is that the tear doesn't produce the same fruit. They look, as they're growing in the early stages, they look very similar. It's hard to distinguish them. But as it grows to a certain point, there's some differences that begin to come out. But the, the biggest one is that tares do not produce the same fruit. And if I want to know what's from God in my life, oftentimes I can look, does it produce righteousness, peace, and joy? Does it produce the things that God intends for me to experience? If it doesn't, then maybe I need to recognize it. And if a thief has planted that, a thief has put that in my life, I can deal with it. And I believe that the way we deal with stuff, because here's how most of us try to deal with our problems, myself included, is, is I found out when you're trying to remove weeds from your yard, you can't just cut them. Because they will grow back. If you just deal with things at a surface level, they will come back. The answer is you have to deal with it at the root. Deal with it at the source. Jesus walks one day by, a, um, by, a, by an olive tree. And when he walks by this olive tree, it, it's, it's put forth its leaves, which is what indicates in that season that it has fruit. Or it's a fig tree. And so he comes by this fig tree, and as he walks by it, it has leaves, which indicates it has fruit. But as he goes to check, it actually says Jesus was hungry, and he came to eat from this tree. And when he came up to it, thinking it had fruit, he saw on close inspection what it advertised it didn't deliver. And that's the thing with stuff that often in our life is not from God, is it advertises and promises peace, fulfillment, identity, worth, and significance. It promises what it cannot deliver. It advertises fruit. I mean, even religion does that. It advertises something, but it can't produce life. Only Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, can produce life. And, and so Jesus does something that shocks his, his followers. He curses the fig tree. Let no fruit grow from you ever again. And, and, and when they walk by, the disciples leave. They, they come back. You know, maybe they thought Jesus was hangry or something. And, and, and they leave. They come back. And, and, and as they walk by, of course, everything Jesus does is purposeful. But as they walk by the fig tree, they notice, I think it was Peter, he says, Hey, it's dead. The thing you just cursed a moment before has now died. And he notices it died from the roots up. The words of Jesus had caused this thing that didn't belong, that, that, that wasn't supposed to, that, that was actually 
advertising something it couldn't produce. The only way to deal with it and remove it was the words of Jesus. Can I tell you, God's word in your life will help you identify what doesn't have fruit. Identify what's stealing your joy, stealing your peace, keeping you from freedom. But you've got to let God's word go to the root. What's the root of fear in your life? What's the root of shame? What's the root of the thing that's keeping you back from God's best and God's purpose? Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 15 actually says, uh, Be careful lest anyone fall short of the grace of God and lest any root of bitterness. Amplified says resentment. Let no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by that, many become defiled because what grows in you doesn't stop with you. It's quiet all of a sudden. I heard a pastor recently say, it's always quiet during heart surgery. <laughs> there's just something about recognizing that there's certain things that, that, that God begins to reveal, not to shame us, but to free us. If I allow God's truth into my life and I allow God's word to be the, 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 the source of my encouragement, but also my, my transformation, then what will happen is you read, there's going to be some things in God's word where you go, that, that hurts. I, you know, I, I just, I, I told this recently to somebody. I said, you know, what I like to do is read 1 Corinthians 13 about what real love, biblical love looks like, and then put my name in it and see how I'm, I'm stacking up. Right. So I'm like, yeah, I'm more loving than that person. <laughs> but but here's, here's what we have to recognize. God's word uproots. It deals with things at the source. It sets us free. I love this, in 2 Kings chapter 2, the men of the city of Jericho came to Elisha, verse 19, it says, they came, they said, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, the water's bad, but, but the water's bad and the ground is barren. In other words, everything looks good. The situation, the city is, ple- like there's no reason why things shouldn't be producing or growing in, in this city. But the water's bad, the ground's barren. It can't grow anything. It can't produce anything. We, we, I just don't get it. Hey, do you realize there's some places in our life where we go, I, this should be working. This relationship should be better. This thing should be different. But it's not. Why? Well, here's what Elisha does. He's an Old Testament prophet. And so he says, hey, bring me a bowl. Bring me a new bowl that nobody's ever used. And put some salt in it. Everything's symbolic and prophetic. And, and so he takes that. But here's what Elisha does. He, he says, show me the source of the water. He goes to the source and he takes what's in that bowl and pours it in and then speaks the word of the Lord over that situation that now, that watch what he says. I'm tripping over this. Uh, here's what he says. I, here's the word of the Lord. I have healed this water and from it there shall be no more death and no more barrenness. He went to the, verse 21, the source. What, what if we allowed God to go a little bit deeper than surface level? and go to the source, and, and uproot some things that need to be uprooted. Because remember, remember in the parable of the soils at the very beginning of this, it says that some soil was shallow, but some, some soil was crowded. Crowded with too many things that were choking out and keeping the fruitfulness that God intended through his word. Just like, listen, just like the bad stuff or the wrong thing doesn't get removed by accident the good thing doesn't grow by accident that's point number three 
what, what God intends to, to bring in my life. Nothing good ultimately grows the way God intends by accident. In other words, it doesn't just happen. Things will just get better. In fact, it's, it's part of uh, just, the, you know, in, in second law of thermodynamics, things just decay. Things, things, you know, fall apart of themselves. And that's just what happens in our life is that sometimes we think, man, it's always going to work out. It's always going to be easy. But sometimes things don't. And the only way to grow what God wants to grow is by intentionality. Lots of people at the end of this year are going to start the new year and go, this, life's, this year's going to be different. My life's going to be better. I'm going to stop eating that. Some of you are feeling it right now. You ate way too much candy. Dad tax. I'm checking for razor blades. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Nothing good grows in my life by accident. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you this. If we were just to, you know, there's nothing particular about saying this time next year, but let's just, let's just look at what, do I, what would I want my life to look like one year from now? What would I like my relationships to look like one year from now? Because what I want to see grow is not going to happen on its own. In fact, that's the fourth and final point. I'm almost done. But, but here's, this is it. If I want to change what's growing, I need to change what I'm sowing. What am I sowing into that relationship? I mean, really, this is just human nature. We often are expecting out of relationships what we've not sown first. You know, the Bible says, it says the fruit of the Spirit, and it lists the nine for the Spirit, but it starts with this one. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I've heard some scholars and pastors say this, and I, I, I think there's some truth to it. They, they say that, the, the, that all the fruit of the Spirit is an overflow of the first one. But it's not fruits plural, it's, it's the fruit. The fruit is love. You know, self-control guards love. Kindness expresses love. That, that joy is an overflow of what love brings. That, that all of the fruit of the Spirit, as I, but, but, but here's the context. He says we need to sow to the Spirit, not to the flesh. So, so am I investing in what's going to grow my faith? Am I investing in my life in, in what's going to bring my relationship freedom? Am, am I building my marriage on the things of God? Am I building my relationship with my kids on the things of God? Am I, am I sowing? Because if I'm expecting to, to see the fruit that God promises, often I have to change what I'm first sowing. I know there's what God does, and God takes, I love the story of the water when Elisha goes to the source, because it tells me that the Jesus you and I serve, the God we serve, can heal any heart. He can go to the source of any issue. This isn't us just trying to fix ourselves, that doesn't work. But, but God reveals so that we can bring it to Him, and we can then begin to plant in those same places where we've uprooted fear, we're planting faith. We've uprooted shame. We're now planting, we're planting confidence in the righteousness of God. Where, where we've uprooted one thing, we're replacing it with something else. We're sowing into that. What would our relationships look like? What would our family look like this time next year if we change what we sowed? If we change, and I, I, I want to bring you back to what the sower in the beginning sowed, and that sower was Jesus. He sowed the word. God's word produces life, produces transformation. Here's what Hosea says. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. 
Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is unplowed, untilled, hardened, neglected ground. He says, break it up for it's time to seek the Lord. There's moments where we make a decision to say, I'm going to plow in faith. I'm going to dig. I'm going to grow my relationship with God. I'm going to, I'm going to be intentional about what I'm sowing into my family. Jason, if you want to come up. It's time. It's time. I believe that as we start this series, and there's some things I, 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 I'm really excited to unpack through in this next month, that I believe God wants to help us grow in our life. I want to start with this by laying a foundation because I believe that, that God's after us, heart and soul, that if we would give him everything, but there's oftentimes things that are growing that are keeping us from growing. There's things growing in our life that are keeping us from being fruitful, keeping us from freedom, keeping us from joy, keeping us from the righteousness, peace, and joy that he promises. And when we replace those things with God's word, we allow it to deal with us at the root and get to the heart and then replace it and plant something that's life-giving, life-transforming. Here's what, last verse, here's what it says, Matthew, or Galatians, excuse me, Galatians 6, 7 and 8. For do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. In other words, there's a principle. It's, it's a part of human nature. Now, here's the good news. Here's where redemption comes into play. You know, some people think that, that you know, this is, sowing and reaping is the same as, as you know, karma. You know what karma is? I do bad, I get bad, and there's like this cosmic guilt that builds up that I can't even pay for in my own lifetime. That's why everybody, like, listen, it's not the same. This is, this is what happens. Jesus comes into my life, and Jesus rewrites the story. Jesus gives you a future where you didn't have a future. He gives you hope where you didn't have it. He redeems and maybe you've had a lifetime of what's been sowed into you and what you've sown has been hurtful, destructive. But that doesn't have to be the, the end of the story. Today, things can change in your life. Today, things can change in your family. Today, things can change because of Jesus. And I want us to pray because I believe today God is changing the story of what's being planted in your family. I preached on, if, if you missed it last week, please go listen to the message. Because, because I believe God's after the next generation, but what we're going to see in the next generation is going to be a result of what we're planting today. What if we changed what we're planting? Do you know in my marriage, my marriage gets better when I change what I sow into it that I don't just come into my relationship with my wife and go, I expect us not to watch NASCAR today. How many know that's a losing statement? <laughs> but there's just moments where I go, listen, I'm going to change what I'm investing. If I could change the picture just for a moment, let's update that to, to, to maybe a modern picture for, for a lot of us. We make withdrawals from accounts and relationships that we've not first made a deposit. I'm going to challenge you before you make another withdrawal in your marriage, in your relationship, make a deposit. Not for your benefit, for theirs. What, what, if, you, what if you began to change what you sowed into your kids? The things of God. I, I sat with my son last night, my middle son, because my oldest was at, at youth. My, my daughter was with her cousin staying over at their house. 
So I sat with him, you know, being the middle child, we don't always have as much time. There's always somebody with us. So we sat down and he wanted to watch America's Funniest Videos, which I just, you know, I think of all the times I've fallen off of stuff and that's what I said. But as we're, as we're watching this together, we're just sitting together. I, I, I'm like literally every commercial break on a kid's channel was actually a message. And it was literally, I've never seen the same commercial put on repeat like 15 times, but that's what was happening. And I thought about this and, and, and the message was partially good, but also partially not good. And I thought, what's being sown into kids without us even knowing about it? You decide what grows. <laughs> you, you can decide what grows. You can decide what's being planted. You can decide what, what is being planted in the lives of your family. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray with you. What's growing? I'm thankful for Jesus, aren't you? I'm thankful for forgiveness, for redemption, for future and hope. Oh, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for the one who can rewrite my story and yours. I'm gonna ask you to do this. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, and we'll be out of here in just a moment. But if you're in here and you say, Brian, I, I need what you're talking about. I need, I need things to change. I think everybody wants change in their life. There's not a person I've met that doesn't want change, but few experience it. Because at the core of what needs to change is our heart. And it starts with Jesus. Religion can't, religion can give us rules. But I can follow all the rules and still go to hell. Because <laughs> the difference between heaven and hell isn't good and bad people, because none of us are good, but it's Jesus. The difference is Jesus relationship with Jesus. The Bible says the wages of sin, what I what I reap from sin is death, separation, distance, but, but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to give you that opportunity right now with no one looking around and say, this is, this is I want to respond to God right now. I want to respond. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer, prayer of faith from your heart. The Bible actually says it's with the heart we believe and confession is made. That means we, we, what's in our heart, we open our mouth and say. And I'm gonna lead you in a very simple prayer right now to receive the free gift of salvation in Jesus. This decision is the decision that changes what's being sown in your family. This is the decision that, that sets you free. This is the decision where everything changes. Maybe you've been far from God and you need to rededicate your life to God. You say, I need Jesus in my life again. I need a fresh start. If either of those are for you, say, Brian, would you pray with me? I just want you simply to lift your hand. Say, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You know, the Bible says that God so loved us that he gave Jesus, not to condemn the world, but to save it to save us from ourselves, save us from sin that it's separated. And let's, I'm gonna lead you in this prayer right now to, to respond to God, to put your faith and hope in Jesus, the only one that can save. Would you pray this with me? I'm gonna ask every believer in here, pray this with us to encourage those that are responding to God. Say this, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be Lord of my life. I surrender my heart to you. 
I surrender my life to you. I put my trust in you, Jesus. Save me. Fill me. Transform me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Prayer team, if you come down, if you have a need in here this morning, need freedom, healing, whatever it is, it would be our honor and privilege as we close to, to pray with you today. We love you guys. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for being here today. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday. If you need prayer, come on down. We'd love to pray with you. Have a great week. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your